This week on That's How I Roll, it's Tiffany Kyrez of Haba Games USA. And don't forget, head over to TheologyOfGames.com where you can sign up for our Tiny Epic Contest. That's right, every Tiny Epic game in its deluxe format can be yours. Let's get into the show. Here we go. Buckle up, it's time for That's How I Roll with Jeremiah Isley, a podcast about the games we play and the lives we live. That's How I Roll is presented by Theology of Games. Visit theologyofgames.com for the latest in tabletop gaming, news, reviews, and interviews. And now, here's Jeremiah. Hey everyone, welcome back to That's How I Roll. Thanks for tuning in for another week. We've got a special, special episode for you. And I didn't tell you this, but I wasn't supposed to have another interview for another week or two here. But when I found out that our guest today is working at a new gaming publisher and that um, she was available, I said, hey, let's, let's jump on this thing. Let's get you on the show a couple weeks early ahead of my production schedule. So... Uh, the let's let's cut with the the uh, suspense here and introduce Tiffany Kyrez who is with Haba Games now so Tiffany welcome to the show thank you thanks so, for having me back <laughs> absolutely so we had you on the show <clears throat> you've been on the show a few times uh once or twice at origins and then uh also post origins of last year and you were with should we, we'll just say a different publisher at the time, or I don't know. <laughs> oh, we can say Deepwater Games. That's okay, fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was not with Deepwater that, Games. Not that people can't scroll down and see, oh, Deepwater Games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, so now you have, you've jumped out of the deep water and you are <laughs> with Haba Games. Tell us, I guess, don't give away like deep dart, you know, air dirty laundry, but what kind of led to this transition? What's going on? How, how are things with Haba games? And, and we'll just kind of start there. Yeah. Well, so, um, deep water games, which was founded in 2018, uh, I believe technically they were founded like end of 2017, but I started with deep water and deep water became public, um, at the beginning of 2018. But it's it it's a startup. Um, Deepwater Games is very much a startup, and it's always been a startup kind of culture. And there's never been a secret about that. Um, right. And I always said when I was in tech, because I used to work in tech, that I would never ever work for a startup. <laughs> and then I did work for a startup, and it, I I should have listened to past me. I um, I loved the work that I was doing at Deepwater. I absolutely loved the community and the team at Deepwater. Um, but I just couldn't handle the startup pace, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and so after Gen Con, I had some health issues. Um, and we figured, talked with the doctors and stuff. And they were like, yeah, maybe, maybe you shouldn't work for a startup. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I left Deepwater um, and we left on good terms. And I left uh, just after Gen Con last year, so August. Okay. And um, I just focused on my health for the rest of 2018 and my like channel. I have a YouTube channel where I do streams. Um, and Essen, I did a lot of Essen content last year, like with, uh, daily vlogs that I did a one day turnaround. So if you want to experience Essen, um, you can go and watch those on my YouTube channel. Um, the one tar is the channel, but so yeah, so last year I kind of just 
focused on me and my stuff. <laughs> and then I got a text from um, Leah, who's the president of Hobby USA, um, who I've been friends with for a number of years. And she said, hey, I'm going to be creating this position. Um, and I think that you should apply. So uh, I went ahead and applied. And they had a lot of other candidates. And it was like a three-month interview process. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, it was pretty involved. It was very like... It was very weird. There was a lot of like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in 2019. I could be doing more content creation and more freelance work, or I could be running a major toy company's game line. Like it was, (laughs) but I got the job uh, and I started February, beginning of February, beginning of this month, which seems like four months ago now. Oh, wow. So, yeah. It's so weird to me. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like the history of how I got here and also why I love Deepwater. But um, so at Haba, I my official title is the Games Channel Manager, which doesn't make a lot of sense unless you understand um, how Haba is structured. And Haba is actually a toy company. And, and Haba is a toy company out of Germany that has existed for 80 years. Mm. And the U.S. branch um, of Haba has only existed for, I believe, 26 years. But they've been a toy company primarily. And um, four or five years ago, they decided they were going to start getting really into the games industry in the U.S. and start uh, kind of getting into games distribution channels and, and things like that. Um, but they also were still operating like a toy company, which is very, very different than how games companies work typically. And so my position was created and I was hired to basically help shape the games line of Haba USA into a more traditional games publisher format. So it makes more sense for the industry. No small task. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's all just, you know, changing how an 80 year old company works. Well, not not <laughs> the German company. Um, right, right. So the yeah, so the German company. It's really interesting because um, German Haba has been around for a long time and has has participated in um, the Nuremberg Toy Fair and also Spiel Essen and things like that. So the German Haba knows how the European game industry works. Oh, okay. And does a very good job with that. It's the U.S. Haba. When, when Leah started bringing games into the game distribution side in the U.S., uh, she was jumping in completely, like, un, no idea what, what she was doing. And so um, she had a lot of support from the game industry. The game industry has always been fantastic sure. um, and supportive of anybody doing anything new. Um, but she was still kind of the person. And the majority of Haba USA... Um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a small toy company, but it's, they've got a number of employees. Um, like they own their own where their own warehouse and distribution center and mm. things like that. Um, but they're all toy industry. So everything they know how to do and every timeline and schedule that they adhere to is toy industry, which is very different from game industry. Sure. So, um, Leah has learned a lot and has kind of tried to shape, <laughs> um, <laughs> game releases and stuff to match the game industry. But she's still the president of Hobby USA, and it's very difficult for her to be the president of Hobby USA and also trying to like coordinate and work with a different industry 
at the same time. Right, right. So you hire you to to come on board and and take care of all of that. So that being said, I mean, obviously you're less than a month into this. Um, What are, I guess, like, what are those challenges? Like what, what's this year shaping up to be for Haba uh, as you try to kind of shape them into, you know, that hobby game channel, uh, turn that into something that sort of represents and is more fluid and coherent with the gaming industry. Yeah. Uh, so the biggest thing is release schedules. So in the toy Mm. industry, you have a spring release and you have a fall release and you coordinate those releases with toy fair, um, toy fair, which just happened uh, at the end of January. Mm -hmm. And you coordinate it with uh, basically pre-holidays. So fall right before the holidays. So everybody knows what like new holiday toys are coming out. And in the games industry, we're very different. And our biggest, in the U.S. games industry especially, our biggest release date is Gen Con, which is in summer. Yeah. So um, Haba traditionally has really had to scrabble or um, scramble rather and or has missed um, taking advantage of those the big game industry um, release times like Origins and Gen Con in the US mm, mm-hmm. and it and it makes it tough for stores because game stores they're not looking for new releases uh, in January right right <laughs> they're still they'll they're still riding the wave of um, titles that are coming in from Essen. Yeah. So it's one of those things where this year for 2019, my biggest goal is to just make sure that we can shift. We start shifting the release timeline for these games, which are already in the pipeline and they're already in the process. It's just making sure that we try and sync up the times as what, as best we can with the actual game industry. And that includes, making sure we have support materials. So in the toy industry, it's really interesting. In the toy industry, nobody cares what you're doing unless they can buy it. Mm. So in the toy industry, if you're coming out with a new rattle, you don't tell anybody about it until they can order it from you. Oh, okay. Whereas in the games industry, we care so much about what's coming because we try to plan and pick up and do research. Yeah. So in the games industry, if you're coming out with a new game, you need to tell everybody about that new game about three months before they can even buy it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So and distributors need that information so that they can set up their distributor systems so retailers can buy them um, or pre-order rather. And retailers want to know about these games so they can look and see if they want to pre-order the games to stock them. And then consumers want to know about these games so that they can decide if they're going to pre-order them from the retailer or yeah. they're going to pick and choose or do research or watch reviews or that kind of stuff so that when it does release, they already know whether or not they're going to buy it. Sure. I mean, that's that's what that's half of what we do here is tell people about games that are coming out. And then we talk about the ones that have come out. So, yeah, it's it's a total it's it's the hype machine, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. And trying to explain the hype machine to the toy industry um, folks at Haba is like Leah gets it because she's been in the industry, but sure, 
but the rest of the folks that have a USA, they're like, you do what three months beforehand? What do you, <laughs> what do you mean? We need to have pictures and graphics of these things three months. Like they're not even being printed yet. And I'm like, yeah, but, but you still got to do it. <laughs> right. Trust me. We need this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So who, I, I guess when you say, um, like, I'm just kind of letting you spill how your job works here. When you are the the games channel manager, are you part of the process of picking which games get published and selecting that and kind of setting up those dates? Or I guess how far does that reach? Or is that something that just kind of comes from sort of the mothership in Germany? And uh, or or do you have a hand in that? Um, I definitely have a hand in that. So basically, as the games channel manager, I if it's Haba USA Games, it's me. Okay. So um, I handle, I make decisions in regards to what games we're importing from Haba Germany because um, the way that Haba works is Haba Germany has a games development team, which is fantastic, and they have a good, they have a they have a good size games development team in house okay. that are continually working on games. And as a subsidiary, um, I get access where I can see kind of like developmental progress on a lot of those games. Okay. Um, but for certain games, I have to make, I have to either try and play them, um, which I missed. <laughs> Normally, I'm supposed to go to Nuremberg, but I wasn't hired yet. So <laughs> I didn't go to Nuremberg to play the fall releases. So um, I, I had some, I've had some meetings. I haven't actually gotten to play any of the fall releases yet, but I've had meetings where like they play them in front of me on a webcam <laughs> <laughs> so I can see how the games play. Um, and I can kind of review development notes and, and rules and things like that. And based on that, I make a decision on whether or not Hobby USA would like to import that title. And okay. once we make a decision on if we're going to import that title, I also I get to have a little bit more of a say in regards to the development process. Okay. Not a lot, but like minor things like, oh, that culturally will not be good in America. Like sure, things like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, and they also like they know I'm a gamer and I've had some conversations. Um, so they're used to dealing with Hava USA uh, employees, which are just toy industry and don't have great gamer questions. Um, but they have been super happy. The German team has been super happy and very supportive that I am on the team now because I'm a gamer and I talk gamer language. Yeah. Um, and so um they're actually, I think they're letting me be more involved than I think traditionally <laughs> Hava USA has been, which is fantastic. But um, so I'll pick which games we're going to bring over. I pick an initial print quantity. Um, and Leah is definitely helping me and mentoring me through that because okay. the quantities are very different than a traditional game company, because I would say, depending on the game, your target audience might not be the hobby game industry at all. Our target audience might be the toy industry because hobby games still do very well in the toy industry. Sure. Yeah. So we have some games coming out at Origins and two of those games, I probably won't do, I'll do like an announcement to the game industry and they'll be available if the game industry wants to order them. But I don't anticipate any, anyone in the game industry really caring about mm. those toys, mm. those games. Hmm. Those are games that we'll do our due diligence on them for sure, but they're not hobby games. They're definitely more of the like toy store games. 
That's a good segue. Speaking of games, what can you tell us about uh, what's coming this year? You said there's some stuff coming out at Origins. Um, mm-hmm. I guess give us a little bit of like what you think are just going to be the toy industry, maybe not so interesting to the gamer community, but uh, also, you know, what is what's coming from the gamer side that you think gamers would be super excited about? Well, the first one is actually technically already been announced and released, but it actually will be arriving uh, in a warehouse today, or it has arrived. Okay. <laughs> like, um, and the uh, the Tonga, which was um, an Essen release from Hava Germany, uh, but it was on a lot of US uh, most anticipated lists, but it hasn't been okay. available until like this week or next week. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's kind of the bigger strategy game that we're planning for 2019. And for our Origins releases, uh, we are looking at, hopefully it'll make it in time, uh, a release uh, in the Unicorn Glitter Luck line. So Unicorn Glitter Luck is our pink boxes. It's our only pink box line, but it's a um, it's a unicorn IP uh, from Germany that mm. Hava has developed uh, more and we already have two Unicorn Luck games. One is uh, Cloud Crystals, which is like a roll and move for preschoolers. It's actually, it's, it has some sharing elements and like big chunky pink stones that, that kids love. And then there's a cooperative one for preschoolers or kindergartners also in that line. And so now we're looking at, we're, we're bringing out another one at Origins which is for a little bit of an older audience, um, which is kind of more the kindergarten, uh, first grade, you know, five and up age range. And that one will also be cooperative. Cool. So there's no like unicorn 4X <laughs> title coming. <laughs> Not yet. Give me time. All right. Give all me right. time. <laughs> if I can figure out how to get unicorn glitter luck into the train industry, like... <laughs> I like yeah. it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do an eighteen unicorn glitter luck eighteen XX. <laughs> I love it. It's on. That's on my. That's on my to do list. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll be. I'll be watching. I'll be keeping an eye on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other. The other ones that I was going to mention is we have some. This is really interesting. So in the European market, um, metal ten boxes are uh-huh. very popular. Um. A lot of small games don't come in cardboard. They come in those aluminum tens. Yeah. And those traditionally just don't do well at all in the U.S. market. Yep. It's really, <laughs> um, they don't stack as well. In, in, in Europe, they have like special displays at the game stores and toy stores that hold these tens. Mm. Um, it's like a special shelf thing. But in the U.S., we don't have those. And so no one has the infrastructure to like easily stock these tens. And so the US don't typically like to stock them. But there are two, um, Hobbit Germany is coming out with a line of these 10 games for traveling. Um, and they're super cute because everything Hobbit does is super cute. <laughs> and two of those games we really liked. And so we're going to be bringing those over. Um, and those are the ones that probably won't do that well in the hobby industry just because they're, they're metal tins and people don't like that. Right. But the game is um, it features magnetic uh, elements, and so the games, the boxes need to be tens. Oh, okay. Uh, for them to work, yeah. And so we're going to be bringing over two of those travel games for the summer season, 
And we anticipate those being more popular in the toy industry, sure. but we'll definitely make sure the game industry has them available if they, if they wish to buy them. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, you're, well, one, you're totally right on. When I see a game that's in a 10, I'm like, this had better be a really good game because it's not going to fit on my game shelf the way I want it to, uh, yeah. which sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> total first world problem there. But I think if the game is good, it overcomes that, right? Like I own Sushi Go and Sushi Go Party because I think those are fun games that my family loves playing. And so those are on my shelf. So, there, you know, there's there's exceptions to that. I think it's overcomable. Um, but it's interesting that there's that magnetic element which obviously you'd have to have the 10 box if, if that's how the game works. So um, that'll be interesting to see how those uh, are received. And also I'm, I'm curious on how that, that gameplay works too. Yeah. Um, well, and I am too. And they're, they're kind of, they're, they're kids games. They're targeted more towards the three-year-olds and four-year-olds. Sure. Um, or like travel in regards to like a, an easy game that you can play on an, uh, on an airplane or like on a train or, yeah. or, you know, in the car, that kind of thing. So I'll be very interested to see um, if we do the traditional game industry marketing flow and time release with the 10 games, if they'll do better. I don't think we did this the last time you were on the show, but you're going to, this is super awesome. So I call this segment, you know, the show's called That's How I Roll. So this is the That's How I Roll segment. I have in front of me a list of 20 questions and in my hand, I have a D20. So I'm going to, I'm going to roll, I don't know, three or four or five times and ask you these random questions and (laughs) and you can be as brief as you want, as long as you want. It's just fun. We're, we're doing a podcast here. It's not rocket surgery. (laughs) So are, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. And I'm really rolling a D20. I, could, I, I hear it. I yeah. could just like make up and say, oh, it's an 11. But <laughs> it was an 11. So the question is, what was your favorite school subject? Math. Math. All right. Just no, no other reason, just math. Well, my mom, well, my mom was a math teacher when I was younger. Oh, okay. Yeah, my mom was a math teacher when I was younger. And when she was going to school to, when she was getting her master's in mathematics to be that math teacher, I was like five or six or something like that. And she would practice her lectures on me. And she figured if her six-year-old could figure (laughs) out algebra and calculus, the like adults she was teaching would be fine. And so my whole life, my mom has been math has been like this fun thing for me because she's always made it into a game. Yeah, yeah. So in school, I was really good at math uh, for <laughs> obvious reasons. I would hope and so, it was right? Just, yeah, it was just a fun <laughs> thing for me. Nice. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, I I was the kid that was always good at math, but I never liked it, so I never like pursued it beyond being in school. So. Anyway, enough about me. Let's roll a die. Here it goes. Ooh, it's a 20. All right. This is a little bit of a dated question, and I need to replace it, actually. But who shot JR? I don't even know the reference. You don't even? Oh, my gosh. So uh, the 80s TV show Dallas, 
which was, I don't even, which was like this huge thing. And then at the end of the one season, the the main guy J.R. Ewing got shot, and like so that whole summer, everybody like everywhere the question was who shot Jr. Oh, that's funny. And I don't, I don't remember. Even, I don't even know what you, what you would update that to. Uh, <laughs> it just needs to go away. So if you have a <laughs> suggestion, we'll we'll throw a different question in there, uh, and that can be your contribution to the show for from now to eternity. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna roll the die. Uh. Number six. Okay, this is kind of, this could be a silly question or it could be a deep question. You take it how you want to take it. But the question is, what are you afraid of? Oh, that's a, I'm trying to, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm afraid. I, I'm trying to like make it not too deep, but still interesting. And then I'm still like, I don't even know. <laughs> um, but I will say I, so this is very, my, my, my first, my, I've had dogs my whole life, but the f- first dog that I ever got that was like truly my own and not like a family dog. Mm. Um, I am afraid for the day that she is not with me. Mm. And now I'm gonna cry, but okay. I love me. I love EG, uh, and she's getting old, and she's got a lot of arthritis stuff. So, uh, I'm sorry. It's getting it's getting heavy on my mind. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's quickly roll the die so that we can <laughs> not make our guests cry on their show. And <laughs> uh, okay, eight uh, Transformers or GI Joe? Uh, oh, there's so many great quotes from GI Joe, right? But I preferred the like context of transformers more yeah if that makes sense yeah also i was i was more of a captain planet over gi joe okay okay yeah, yeah see i was i was like both as a kid but transformers i don't know there's just something about robots you know and they transform right that's right. like the coolest part <laughs> like i had i had the sound wave you know sound wave i had him when i was a kid and it, like you could put the little tapes in and then they came out and they turned into things and yeah yeah they're pretty cool there's like a new japanese transformer series that isn't oh, really? technically transformers um and i haven't seen it but my friend tony miller his kid is super into them and uh, I like to go over and play with the toys, <laughs> the Transformer <laughs> toys. They're That's super awesome. cool. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, let's do a couple more here. Uh, number five. I'm rolling low today. Oh, so here we go. The opposite of the the one question that made you cry. What makes you happy? I would say watching people play and discover games that they love. Cool. makes me super happy, especially if they're people that don't consider themselves gamers. That makes me like crazy happy when I finally convince somebody to play a game and it just like clicks for them and then they're like super into it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty happy thing. I, I enjoy that. That's good answer. Not that there's wrong answers, you know, but good answer. <laughs> I rolled that 20 again. We're not going to not going to go that way. Um, I mean, see. you could do 20 could be Star Trek or Star Wars. Do you have that one? I think I have that somewhere. <laughs> Maybe I don't. How do I not have that? Because that's like the best nerd pop culture question. It really is. And it's very, 
polarizing. Yeah. Um, it is not on the list. It is now on the list. Yes. My legacy right. will live on. There it is. And I will ask you, Star Wars or Star Trek? Traditionally, I'm a Star Trekkie. Uh, really? I'm a definitely a Trekkie. But I married a Star Wars, and ah. I haven't been into any of the like more recent Star Treks. Uh-huh. So I, I've definitely seen and supported the Star Wars industry more in the last <laughs> rec- since my marriage. Um, like I haven't seen Star Trek Discovery or anything like that. So ah. yeah, I'm like an old school Trekkie, but uh, a new age Star Wars, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll we'll go with that. I I I would say the old Star Trek is is definitely my if I'm going to watch Star Trek, it's like original stuff, you know. Captain Kirk, not Picard. So, that's my that's my slant. I do I think I oh, I do have Kirk or Picard on here as one of the questions. Yeah, see Kirk and Picard's a good one cuz yeah. I would uh, I I'd have to go with Picard. Yeah. Just I wish I wish uh, Sir Patrick Stewart was like my like dad or <laughs> like my uncle. He's a like, pretty I cool wish. dude. I will give. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Let's do one more. Here we go. Um, number two is what is your number one pet peeve? Oh, this is such a weird one. My number one pet peeve is when people eat cereal with milk in it. In front of me. <laughs> is, I, is it the milk that drives you crazy or is I, it? I don't like milk in my cereal. I okay. Think it's the grossest thing. Cause when I was growing <laughs> up, I wasn't allowed to have milk cause I was, um, I had an allergy, okay. but my brother loved it. And every morning would eat a giant bowl of Cheerios <laughs> drowning in milk. And it like, the sound is so disgusting to me. Simply, like it's just simply out of sibling rivalry, love, to drive you crazy yeah yeah and now steve he'll have a bowl of cereal in the morning and i have to leave the room i'm like i can't i can't be around while you eat that it's just (laughs) and he can try and be as it doesn't matter like just the sound of like the spoon in the like soupy (laughs) weird i just hate it i hate it i (sighs) i think that is my favorite question because i have heard so many funny quirky answers things that drive us crazy uh that's really funny uh that's cool all right anyway uh that's enough of that um we're gonna we're gonna get out of here for now um thanks for being on the show before we get going though give us give us your vitals like give us your online presence where can people find you what are you up to you know are you active on twitter you know just kind of give us all that layout so that you can properly promote yourself in a a succinct spot of the show that people know where to find you yeah so i am better known as the one tar on twitter and youtube and Instagram, but I try not to post on Instagram because I get addicted to Instagram. Um, <laughs> so you think Twitter's addicting. Oh, man. Uh, so those are my handles on basically everywhere. And I do for my YouTube channel, my husband and I play games and we stream them and have fun. And then we'll do I'll do random talk videos about games and stuff like that. But for work, you can follow. I've made a new Twitter for Haba Games and it's Haba Games USA. 
And if you are interested in hobby games from a hobby gamer perspective, go ahead and give us a follow. That Twitter account is new. Um, I'm going to be pumping a lot of love and effort into that Twitter account over the next several months. And so we definitely need to build our follower account back up. So join us there. Cool. Well, there it is, folks. That's going to do it for another episode of That's How I Roll. want to thank Tiffany Kyres for coming on the show today. Thanks for being here. want to remind you of a few things before we get going. Don't forget our Patreon page. You can head over to theologyofgames.com slash Patreon to find out about that. Also, our tiny epic contest is still happening. You've still got a few days left to get in on that from our good friends at Gameland Games. Big thanks to them. And as always, you can call the Theology of Games hotline, be a part of the show, give us your feedback, ask your questions. Hey, do you have a question for me to add to the That's How I Roll list? Call me up. Let me know. 216-352-3864. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. For my guest, Tiffany Kyrez, I'm Jeremiah Isley. And until next week, if you like Star Trek more than Star Wars, well, I don't agree with that. But hey, I'm Jeremiah Isley. That's how I roll. Thanks for rolling with us today. That's How I Roll is produced by Jeremiah Isley and brought to you by Theology of Games. If you liked what you heard today, take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in, and drive safe.